Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Primary Care Podcast. It's your boy, Dr. Mark List. It's allergy season, so if I sound a little bit deeper and huskier than usual, uh, we can all blame the ragweed around. Um, so uh, today, the Primary Care Podcast, uh, we have a joke for today. Uh, and this actually goes out to my European listeners. Um, you know, only 88% of my listeners are within the United States. We have 12% international listeners on this podcast, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, for you international listeners, not you Canadians and apparently not you uh, people in the United Kingdom, uh, but for all you uh, Europeans, I got a joke for you. Uh, why is Europe like a frying pan? Because it has grease at the bottom. And that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, may or may not have been the first geography joke uh, on the Primary Care Podcast. Um, Now, before we get into today's episode, which I think is a good uh, topic for all Primary Care users, we actually have a new sponsor for the Primary Care Podcast, and that is Echo, Echo Health, E-K-O, Echo Health. Uh, Echo Health uh, is a company uh, that exists to ensure all patients have access to early cardiac and pulmonary disease detection and high-quality care that improves and extends patients' lives. Echo's mission is that they believe that the ability to listen is the ability to care, which is why Echo is dedicating is dedicated to providing healthcare professionals with industry-leading digital tools to hear and understand their patients' hearts and lungs, allowing them to detect with higher accuracy, diagnose with more confidence, manage treatment effectively, and ultimately give their patients the best care possible. Uh, working with Echo, they uh, sent me a, uh, a trial of the 3M Litman Core Digital Stethoscope that you can purchase today at their echohealth.com shop, shop.echohealth.com. That's E-K-O, Echo Health. And the 3M Digital Core, uh, uh, the 3M Litman Digital Core Stethoscope is a really good product. Um, I've been using it now with my patients here for the last week or so. Um, it's really nice because it has outstanding uh, acoustics. They have a uh, um, a on and off switch right on the uh, shaft of the, the stethoscope, uh, really good microphone controls, uh, and so you can hear with really good accuracy if you need to dial up the volume or dial down the volume. Uh, it works really well. When paired with the Echo app, the Litman stethoscope becomes even smarter. Uh, using their AI technology to diagnose murmurs and assist you with abnormal heart sounds in seconds. Uh, This is actually a really cool app, uh, free on any of the uh, uh, download app stores. And uh, I really seamless paired uh, with my device, uh, really easy to set up. Uh, overall, very impressed by the product. It's really good. Um, they also have, for your more advanced needs, uh, if you are looking for a stethoscope to be used for telehealth, uh, this can be used remotely. Um, and using some of their uh, subscription models, you can use their uh, software to hear and transmit heart sounds across the nation if you need to digitally. Um, And so the stethoscope can be used for all your telehealth needs too. So if you're looking for a new digital stethoscope, something to amplify your existing sound volumes, uh, if you're looking for a telehealth solution uh, using their digital stethoscope, uh, check out Echo Health at echohealth.com. That's E-K-O. And thanks for sponsoring the podcast. The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. 
Well, welcome back to the podcast. Pod girls, pod boys, pod people. It's your pod doctor, Dr. Mark List. Uh, coming at you today with another episode of the Primary Care Podcast from my uh, office here in between patients. Uh, just got done seeing an adult ADHD eval, and I, uh, my patient with a rash on his foot apparently doesn't want to show up today. So great. Um, today's episode is a little bit of a change up. Uh, instead of doing a guideline update or anything, we're actually doing a, a topic today on a viewpoint from the Journal of American Medical Association, the JAMA, the JAMA uh, edition here from October, October 18th, 2022, the JAMA um, magazine. Uh, the episode is, sorry, the viewpoint is called Moving to More Evidence-Based Primary Care Encounters, a Farewell to the Review of Systems. Now, I think this is uh, a little bit of an outdated take by this Dr. Michael Berry from uh, Boston Mass General, um, and also uh, Dr. Ching Wen Shang. I think I mispronounced that horribly uh, from uh, the University uh, Department of Family Medicine and Community Health in Hawaii. I think this is a little outdated because the coding and guideline changes happened in January 2021. And if you are a listener of the Primary Care Podcast since January 2021, we've already talked about this and discussed this. The fact that this uh, the guidelines were designed to free you from uh, doc diagnostic and uh, documentation burdens, right? Um, not diagnostic burdens, documentation burdens. So in this viewpoint, in this editorial, these two physicians talk a lot about in the practice of medicine, what is documented in the patient's medical record is helps to ensure continuity of care, facilitate coordination between clinics, support quality improvements and research, and can be useful in medical legal disputes, and increasingly makes medical care more transparent to patients. However, over the years, documentation has been increasingly driven by billing and coding requirements. And one example is the review of systems. And this goes on to say how uh, a lot of our previous billing was driven by how many inquiries about symptoms in the review of systems? How many segments did you connect with? How many things in the exam? How many things in the review of systems did you document and, and talk to the patient about? And therefore, you can bill a higher, uh, you know, ENM code, right? And so they are arguing that the review of systems can be time-consuming for both patients and clinicians to perform and document, uh, which is kind of funny because patients don't document. But actually, patients do document. Uh, many clinics still, to this day, send out a review of systems before you show up. And our, a lot of our subspecialists get this, and uh, patients hate this. They get this huge packet, um, and when they get this big packet, there's a bunch of review of systems questions that they hate filling out. And, you know, you have some people who don't write anything. And then at the time of the visit, they ask a million questions that they should have written on that paper. And then in the other extreme, you have people who write literally everything that has ever been wrong with them in any of those review of systems questions, right? Oh, once in second grade, I had chest pain. Does that count? Right? Uh, three weeks ago, um, I was running and my foot hurt while I ran. Right. Um, so there are lots and lots and lots of issues with the review of systems. Right. And it's really time consuming. Uh, you know, I have not asked a full review of systems basically since residency and going forward uh, with the new coding and guideline changes, uh, I'm unlikely to do so. But this article, this article really focuses on the fact that in primary care, everything that we should be doing should be evidence based. Right. And in this article, they talk about how in their own practices, these, these physicians note, that they are still having patients fill out review systems, right? It is still part of their clinical care. And they talk about how eliminating tradition-based review systems 
can be slow. EMRs can still have ROS templates, right? And all of these things help preserve ineffective practices. And so this gets back to what we were talking about in 2021 about, you know, optimizing your documentation, optimizing your practice. If you are still going through review of systems questions, and even my own partners are going through uh, review of systems, I had my physical uh, because my employer says that I get uh, uh, money uh, if I go to get a physical every year. So I go get my physical every year and get good cholesterol and blood sugars checked out, et cetera. And so I went to my physician's office and their staff member asked me a basic review of systems. Um, and was pretty detailed about the questions. And it was no, 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 basically, right? And that took time. Now, that time could have been used for other things, right? And those are things that then you have to document. And yeah, a lot of us have quick text or, you know, dot phrases or auto text that automatically insert normal ROSs. But if anybody has anything abnormal at ROS, they take time to go back through and document positives and negatives. And also then you, because it's not necessary or relevant to what you're talking about, um, it's note bloat, right? It adds more confusing, unnecessary data that could should just be in the HBI relevant to what you're talking about. So in this article, they say, the critical question is how in a practice can you de-adopt the ROS and what should replace it using in care, right? What should improve care using the time saved? Okay. And they go into some details and I'm not going to bore anybody in, but basically they talk about how removing the pieces of primary care that are not evidence-based, right? When the patient comes in for something, asking completely unrelated questions is not evidence-based, right? doing a full scope physical exam on patients uh, that are from asymptomatic organs, for example, uh, is not evidence-based, okay? And very few pieces of the physical exam that it's not pertinent to the HBI is evidence-based, right? There's very, very, very little that you should actually do on an exam. It should be really be limited. And right, the 2021 coding and billing guideline changes, uh, you know, reflect that, right? You're not required to do anything that's not pertinent towards what the chief complaint is, okay? So what should we use with this extra time? Well, they argue instead of doing all this unnecessary documentation and unnecessary clinical work, right? Unnecessary questions, unnecessary bookkeeping things, right? That we've historically done. We should be replacing that with things that are evidence-based like lifestyle changes. Having behavioral counseling is the heart of primary care, right? In family medicine, that is what we do at a core and what we should be focusing the majority of our time, right? So they say here, rather than obtaining information from an ROS, that time might much be more well spent on counseling activities when evidence indicates that lifestyle change counseling can meaningfully reduce adverse health outcomes such as cardiovascular disease, especially in many adults with cardiovascular disease risk factors. And you've heard me talk about this ad nauseum, right? A, a ton about like, you know, sitting, you know, smoking cessation, sitting cessation, um, exercise, things that can make a meaningful impact in your patient's lives. It doesn't take a lot of time, right? Interventions that are under a minute long. And in the time that it would take you to document some of these things that, you know, we've done historically just because we've always done them historically, you can actually make meaningful clinical impact or at least get your notes done faster or get out faster, right? Um, making time for shared decision-making, right? One major thing that the USPFTF has emphasized in the past several guidelines is the importance of shared decision-making for preventative care, right? I like to have conversations about the pros and the cons of mammograms, of colo guard versus colonoscopy and the timings of such, right? 
the different lab tests that we could possibly do, right? In the last episode, not the last episode that we did on the podcast, but the episode before that, we talked about that blood cancer test, right? There's going to be some really tricky cancer screens in the future. What are the pros and the cons? Let's make this decision together. That takes time to have those conversations, right? And time that we're spending on other things, these authors argue, get rid of the unnecessary stuff in your clinic encounter. Get rid of those unnecessary questions. Get rid of those unnecessary physical exam maneuvers. Focus your time on behavioral counseling, lifestyle changes, and share decision-making for preventative care, right? Um, And then they talk about, uh, again, they go into the same thing that I've pitched for a long time, less is more, such cer- such as certain elements, uh, so other tradition and reimbursement-based work, such as certain elements of the f- physical exam and addressing asymptomatic body parts and organ systems should also be considered candidates for de-adoption. And, uh, you know, gratuitous long auscultation time could be saved when patients offer no pulmonary symptoms, right? So there are things that people have always done because they've always done them, and it's part of what people think are a healthy exam, right? Having their patients get completely undressed to, you know, I don't know, look at their knees. I don't know what people have all their patients get completely naked for. Uh, For absolutely no reason, that's time spent that the patient wouldn't need to do and that you need to wait for them to get undressed and could improve your clinic workflow, et cetera. And so I will just read their concluding paragraph because I thought it was really good. New regulations simplifying documentation of services for billing should allow for reconsideration of how time is spent in primary care visits and what really needs to be documented. An initial approach should be to consider de-adopting. Oh, I love that term, de-adoption. I love it. Uh, Make things efficient, trim down these appointments, trim down what we're doing clinically to what's relevant. So an initial approach should be considering de-adopting the ROS and then carefully considering what other tradition and reimbursement-driven care should be or could be de-adopted in favor of more evidence-based care. Time spent on the delivery of proven preventative services, including behavioral counseling, as well as shared decision-making to ensure that patient preferences as well as best evidence are incorporated in decision is how we should be spending our time. Thereby, the change in regulations could result in more evidence-based primary care and better health outcomes. God bless this editorial. I love things that are... um, completely reinforcing my biases and my existing opinions. I love it. I'm going to stay in this echo chamber and ignore any other uh, viewpoints. I'm going to stay in this viewpoint because it uh, supports my viewpoint. So God bless you, Dr. Uh, Barry and uh, Dr. Shen Wang Shen. Again, I'm mispronouncing that. I apologize. Uh, Feel free to email me with the correct pronunciation if you're one of my uh, listeners. Um, But again, very, very um, another push from other people other than me pushing you to Slim down your practice. Less is more. Focus your time on things that actually have value and not doing things that have no value for the sake of this is how we've always done them. This is how I was taught in medical school, PA school, NP school. Focusing on the things that actually matter to patients and not worrying about the things that don't matter. Oh, breath of fresh air. Let's slim down our appointments. Let's slim down our documents. Let's make it reasonably evidence-based as much as we can. Thank you. This has been Dr. Mark Lewis with the Primary Care Podcast. Reminder, you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks. God bless you. Have a great week.